Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Pints and Perspectives, a podcast hosted by Wellhouse Church, where we believe that there's a plethora of theological perspectives and plenty of beer to go around. What is love? Maybe don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. I don't know why that just came to mind, but welcome to Pints and Perspectives, uh, where who knows what the intro is going to be. Never know. You it's never a know. mystery, kind of like the God question. Wow. You're so godly. Um, no, I'm just real preacher-like. Hey, we sure... You suck. <laughs> That's true. Facts, as the kids say. Uh, welcome back. Um, we're... Still in the same clothes as last episode because we record two at once. So that's uh, good for you because we're a little liquored up from the first episode. Um, I guess uh, beard up. What's the analogy there? Uh, Are you liquored up if you've had too many beers? No. You're out. By its definition, it's liquored, liquored, right? Yeah. So uh, just drunk off beer. I don't know. There's got to be a cooler way to say that, though. Sud it up, Duffman. I don't Feeling know. yourself? I don't know. Feeling yourself. No, we're not going to feel ourselves on the <laughs> podcast. Um, but we are going to drink beer. <laughs> what you got? I got some H-Tine beer because that's what we do. Texas' oldest craft brewery, which happens to be about a mile from my workplace, which is dangerous. St. Arnold, holla. St. Arnold. We do a lot of St. Arnold on this podcast because... Uh, they got a lot of beers these days. Um, this is a brand new beer from St. Arnold. It was just released. Um, and if you follow them on Instagram, they did a whole like intro of it. It's called Banger IPA. Uh, Banger in the sense like not a sausage with potatoes, uh, but like a banger, like a song. Like, man, that song's a banger. That's a banger. Like, what is love, baby? Oh, see, full circle. Y'all thought it was random, but I brought it all the way back. Land that plane. Yes. So, uh, in fact, there, look, there's a little um, like vinyl record. Oh, there is. It's, it's a banger. A, so, also why it's a banger is because it's got hops on repeat, which so clever is... It's an Imperial Hazy IPA, which means it's got a ton of hops and a ton of alcohol. It is 8.4%. It really just means it's brewed twice as long. But yes, it is all of those things. It's all those things. But uh, that's how they accomplish it. They it, just brew it. They so just boil it twice as long. It's on repeat. It's yep. a it's a banger. Since it's, it's a banger. A banger. It, yeah, see, you get it now, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's it, great marketing. Same, and that's a great, great. It's a great beer. Yeah. Oh, you've had it. Oh, certainly. I haven't had it yet. I haven't had it yet. Um, I want to. I want to go to the brewery and have it on tap. Uh, Twelve twenty one. This this was just canned uh, yeah. a month ago, uh, and I'm looking forward to having it. It's a banger. It's 8.4. I also have a Houston brew because H-Town. H-Town. From Buffalo Bayou. Uh, I got to say, I'm a little suspect. Yeah, sus. Major sus right here. Honestly, I bought this. uh, They probably don't have a can date on it. They don't. Uh, I bought this like maybe around Christmas time. I mean, sorry, maybe around Thanksgiving time. Oh. Maybe just shortly after Thanksgiving. And I bought it, kind of thinking Adam might end up drinking it. Hater. And he Underestimated. never wanted to go for it. 
So now I'm drinking it because I'm tired of it being in the fridge. <laughs> Space maker. And so we both <laughs> little sus about it. But it's called the Wake and Bake. It's a perky blonde. Which first, let's just say, a Wake and Bake perky blonde, that's going in a good direction. Hey, that's great marketing. But what you're about to say next is where things get sus. With coffee. Yeah, what? It's a coffee beer? It's some kind of coffee beer, which it's not well communicated what it is, but I don't really love mixing coffee and beer. Yeah, I don't either. I don't either. Unless it's like a stout, unless it's like something really, really dark and thick. Um, but a per- so, it, but it's, see, this is the deal, man. It's a bl- like first. Okay, hold on. Notes: Wake and bake. If you're gonna call your beer wake and bake, you got to do something. That's a that's a that's a cannabis reference. a cannabis reference. Yeah, y- you need to have hemp or hops or like extremely something. piney um, uh, 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 hops in it, or like some sort of cannabis thing going on. Um, and, oh, oh, are we, are we talking trash? Are, are we uninformed? We are uninformed. Oh, well, it's not. No, you can still talk trash about the cannabis thing. Cause it is not, it needs. Yeah. Like it's yellow. Like I want to see some, I want to see a weed leaf, but I get, I get I the mean, wake. It is green. See, it's too. No, I it needs to be more definite. If you're going to use that, you need to make it explicit. I think is what we're both I get the wake part. Cause it's coffee. But I now understand how they get the coffee flavor in it because they age it. They age what? They age the beer on Amaya Roasting Co's Temporada Espresso and Vanilla. Okay, so they age it. They age it on espresso espresso and vanilla. Uh, But interesting choice to go golden wake and bake well golden blonde ale on coffee beans and well vanilla. yeah so that's what i was gonna say is normally normally when you would have coffee in a beer it's like in a stout that's what i'm or saying like something real yeah. dark like yeah like something a something that's in the like seven eight hundred level bond range yeah look it says pairing notes pancakes bacon and eggs with peanut butter honey and peppermint on top what maybe that's the deal is that's only something that a that a stone person might be interested in oh maybe rich coffee aroma has free i don't know i'm just saying i'm a little confused although look uh i do love the very subtle uh, uh space nasa space shuttle off in the top left oh yeah yeah, yeah. well it's town h town baby uh yeah, it's 5.4 ABV and 28 IBUs. So there's going to be like very little hot flavor. It's going to be coffee. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, interesting. Okay, cheers. Are you spitting it out of your mouth because it's so bad? No. Oh, he like. No, that's okay. Okay, I banger IPA. I'm not a huge fan of this flavor. There's something I don't like about it. The hop flavor or the malt flavor? No, I think it's the malt flavor. Hops is great. Very balanced, a little boozy. Um, 
I don't know. There's something going on here. It's probably the hazy part, to be quite honest. It's Are you probably, not a hazy fan? I'm not a big hazy. There's one that uh, St. Arnold did, a hazy that I really liked. I think it was like a grapefruit hazy IPA, mm. um, something like that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to say, yeah, see, it, it's the hops is great. The body is great. There's just something a little weird flavor. It says melon, tropical fruit and melon. Maybe that's what's throwing me off. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to give it a seven. Okay. I think it's kind of like a summer beer. Uh, it's kind of light on hops for me. It is light on the hops. It's a, what has Ben Chambers call them? A crushable. Crushable. Yeah. crushable. And, oh, yeah. 8.4. Yeah. 8.4 should not be crushable. It's not, but. You it, will be crushed. It go, yeah. <laughs> don't, no, drink responsibly, kids. Uh, but, yeah. I mean, it's good. Don't get me wrong. I was hoping for, I don't know. Something, I don't know. Okay, yeah. Let's hear, let's hear this Wake and Bake review. I still need a minute with it. Um, it's pretty. It, it has way too much hype for what it is. Oh. Everything is very faint. There's no real prominent flavor other than It's Pilsner. a blonde ale. This well, is it's my just point. Like, yeah, the, the main flavor is like Pilsner malt. It's Yeah, this is... I don't understand why you pick uh, a blonde as the base. Yeah, I don't... It doesn't tell me if it's... It doesn't tell me if it's an ale or a lager. It's got uh good but, question. Good question. Yeah, no, it's, it's an ale. It's a blonde ale, right? No, it's a blonde. <sighs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, maybe know. it's a blonde ale, but it. I mean, I don't know, but it doesn't tell that, me. Look, but man, it, it, the, it it says tasting note: rich coffee aroma, as fragrant as your morning pot. No, How fragrant no. is a morning pot of coffee? Intense, bold. Oh yeah, fills your entire home. Lies. That beer is not. No, it's not. I mean, did you smell it? Yeah. Well, I smelled the can. Let me smell. I'm gonna take it. Is it cool. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, we're both vaccinated. Oh, it does have a little weird. Okay, I see the pancake pairing though. Yeah, it, I see the pancake pairing. That makes sense, but it like its main flavor is like I do not like that grain malt. Like, but there, yeah, it's like Pilsner malt. It's like it just tastes with a with a hint of espresso. I I guess I do. Well, get, I get more than just espresso. I get the vanilla. I definitely get the vanilla. I and do the honey. get the vanilla and the honey. Yeah, because I that's where the pancake flavor comes in. I don't know. I'm, I don't really get the peanut butter. That's hard for me to find. But I I mean I really only get the peanut butter on the nose. What an interesting concoction that is. Yeah, it's very strange. I don't love it. Like a five four, five three, I don't know. Sometimes y y these brewers be doing too much. Hey, but look, Buffalo Bayou, much love. Y'all H hey, Town. For real. All right. Okay. Let's talk about God. And I'm going to let Adam kind of guide this because I got a lot of different thoughts about this and I could frame them a lot of different ways. And Adam got some real qualms about God with this conversation. Uh, and so I think it would be helpful just to let Adam kind of ask some questions, guide this part. Okay, look. Here's the deal. This is a series on the problem of evil. My big hangup 
and my main deconstruction catalyst has been what is the source of evil? Uh, and by evil, what I mean is like injustice, suffering. Uh, recently, there was an earthquake uh, on the border of Syria and Turkey, and the death toll is now up to, I think, 12,000 people. And there are, they say they hear voices in the night screaming for help, but no one can get to them. And then they just grow silent. It's also like freezing cold there and no one has homes. And anyways, but here in America, on the very same night that that's occurring, the leaders of the faith are more concerned with Sam Smith's Grammy's performance because he dressed up like Satan, reference to our last episode there. They're more concerned about that than they are, oh, and how that is um, demonic and evil than they are the, you know, thousands of children that are being crushed by rubble on the other side of the world. Um, like, literally, like, it, 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 anyways, okay, I don't need to keep talking about this earthquake. But this is what I'm talking about in terms of evil and suffering and pain. And um, where does it come from? One answer to that question is existence is a bio, like, like human existence is a biological anomaly that has resulted after a series of just crazy radical biological processes and evolutions of of species and minerals and things like that a scientific process has occurred and here we are and so some of what's happening in our life is randomness and is just like it happens there the like the cause is just the course of existence but if you have a theology of an all-powerful all-knowing all-loving um God, which maybe your version of God doesn't have all those attributes, then that God for, for, for evil, like, okay, the children that are being crushed under buildings in Aleppo right now, um, where's God and why is it, if he knows about it and if he has the power to stop it, why don't he? Well, first, I might say you've made two real presuppositions about God. Okay. Why did you make those? What, well, well, first what of all, they? what, what were, were they and why did you make them? Well, you tell me what they are. What, what was my first presupposition? Well, that, that God knew. Okay, okay, omnipotence. And that God was powerful enough to stop. Oh, sorry, omniscience and omnipotence. So he's like, omniscient, he knows all, omnipotent, he's powerful, all powerful. So those were your two presuppositions about God. Why did you make those? Uh, because that's what godness is. Is it? Well, look, yeah. Okay, I'm open to the fact that he's a god that doesn't know everything and is not all-powerful. All What's more powerful than God? Well, more so I'm asking you is what, like, what source told you that? Uh, the Christian tradition that I was handed. Uh, there you go. Handed. Why? Be- when? When did it all start? Because it's a massive uh, power cult. Who gave us the omnis? Um, 
the 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 men in charge of keeping the people in line with the political system and the religious uh, uh, perse- uh religious torture that they put them through to keep them in line i don't know look what do you what what who one saint uh <coughs> in roughly the 4th century okay <coughs> named anselm anselm i got his books one patron saint patron saint yeah okay uh he's the one that gave us the omnis okay it was omniscience, omnipotence, and omnipresence. All present. Yeah. So now, we might say, in any conversation about the problem of evil, everybody comes with presuppositions about God. We need to go ahead and name those. Okay. Before I get to your question, we sure. need to talk about these presuppositions. Okay, let's do it. Which are all based on the omnis. Okay. So, omnipotence. Okay. All powerful. This is really the one that is a problem for the problem of evil. Because you named it. If God is powerful enough to stop it, right? Why, why don't they? Why not? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so that one, people really mess with to yeah. solve the problem of evil. And I will say, I think even scripturally, yeah. It's not that hard to be an open theist. Okay. Um, it's a, it's also not that hard to give God omniscience. Okay. Or sorry. Yeah. It's not that hard to give someone omnipotence, but even scripturally, there are certainly places where you could point to that say God acknowledges giving up power. Sure. Yes. I mean, Jesus does if you I mean, Jesus certainly does. And Jesus is, I mean, yeah, in the Christian story and tradition, Jesus is God. Yeah. And so by that very definition, God sacrifices and gives up power. Um, as far as omniscience goes, That one's a little suspect. I don't know. I think I can make a good theological case that God has the ability to limit his own knowledge. Oh, certainly. If God can limit their power, God can certainly limit their knowledge. Sure. The question is, does God have it to begin with? Yeah, that's good. Because, well, yeah. What kind of God, what is the alternative? That God doesn't have that kind of power because God doesn't control the adversary that we've said as you acknowledge coined the ground of death the ground oh yeah <laughs> uh so there yeah okay 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 theologically okay. there are ways to maneuver around that Omni- god may not know omnipresence yeah. is the one it's the reason you left it out it doesn't it's the only presupposition about god you didn't come to the table with yeah cuz for just, this because you think it doesn't matter <laughs> Yes, you're right. Here's the problem. You're right. It absolutely matters. Ooh. Okay. Because all right, it's all right. the one that brings back grace and presence to God in the suffering. But you left it out, which is one of the reasons that you have major qualms with all of this. Interesting, because you'd say that God might not be power God might not know that children are being crushed in Aleppo, and he might not be powerful enough to help them. But he is most certainly present with them. Oh, absolutely. Oh, look at you flipping the script. God is 
if nothing else, God is certainly present. So what kind of God doesn't have knowledge and power? A weak one? Well, that's great. Are they weak? Is there... It's okay. Well, no, 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 no. What the source of this is in the Christian tradition. Think about the Hebrew. Think about the Hebrew Bible. Think about the Genesis story. Think about the Canaanite conquest. Think about the God of the Bible. Is God weak? Yes. Oh. Damn. Oh. Explain, <laughs> please. I mean. Okay, here's my, <laughs> here's my perspective. I mean, okay, okay, okay. So, like, I think about this. I'm trying to analog- analogize, analogize, analogize this. Um, <coughs> when I think about my children and my role in their life as their provider, their progenitor, their everything right now because they're littles. Well, one of them is. The other one's too big. Um, bigger than her mama now. But if I, like... If I am trying to teach them something and instruct them on something and tell them something um, and they choose disobedience. Well, I also think it's important if I can interrupt you. I also think it's important to note that there is a another Omni that we've not mentioned. Wait, a that, fourth? Yeah, which is equally important for the problem of evil, and it's probably only used in the context of the problem of evil, which is omnibenevolent. What? Okay, say more. I've never heard this term before. What? Literally, a simple Google search, the problem of evil, and omnibenevolent is right there. It Uh. is more of a philosophical concept of God, but it's certainly a theological one. So he's all giving... No, all, all, all loving. <coughs> How can an all loving God? Okay, but look, so they have to, uh, or all good, maybe is another way to interpret that. But I think I think I think Christian tradition would say that God is love. Uh, well, the Bible says that. Well, God, yeah, and that God is um, all loving. Mm-hmm. But the question is, how do you 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 would have to suspend? To, to be all loving and to be all present and all loving, wouldn't you have to necessarily, maybe that's where my point is, necessarily suspend omnipotence and omniscience? Ah, so you said suspend. Or they don't so, exist? Well, but... Okay, so well, you clearly think they exist because that's the pre- that's the natural presupposition you came to the table. Okay, with. okay, it's a presupposition I come to the table with because it is a part of the definition of godness for which me. is totally fine, as it probably should be. Because I don't have another a less than concept of a god. We're just talking about if it doesn't if if an if a person, God's a person. Oh, you know, a thing, a, being, existence, if, if a person being, deity. If yeah. a person being does not know all things, okay, that could be me. Yeah. Does not, um, does not have all power, is limited in their power. Yep. Okay, that could be me. Yep. Human. All present? Okay, yeah. So that's one that <coughs> no all present humans. None. 
So God is just all present and all loving. All loving is too abstract. What does that Do even you, mean? Well, are you only love? Is the only no, thing you... Not. Oh, okay. Well, then... How that, would I, but how would I know that God is? What does that mean for God to be all loving? How do you express that in a way that impacts humans? Or you could also just interpret that as all good. All good. Okay. Yeah. So you, all you could, good. You could wrap those up kind of as one encompassing Is God idea. created or all... Ex- or all uh, we uh, determined that... Well, I argued that both ground of being and ground of death are preexistent. Yeah. Do you believe in an omniscient God? No. Do you believe in an omnipotent God? <clears throat> yes. In in some way. So what I personally believe is I don't believe that God is omniscient. I don't believe God knows anything okay, or yeah. knows everything. Look, and I, I, was, I was a good open theist at one point in my life, too. Well, yes. I used to. I yeah. think there's a solid theological case for that. Well, so, and this may make me heretical now, certainly. Yes. Uh, to be fair, open theism may be heretical. I don't think so. Once again. If, if, if the, Roger Olson. It's true. He ain't no heretic. That's I mean, true. Some would say that he is, though. Anyways, some sorry, would say he is. Go ahead. Um, but I mean, some's gonna say anybody's a heretic. Exactly, because it's all guesswork. Well, it's yeah, it's all perspective. But open theism would say that kind somewhat similar to panentheism, that God has voluntarily chosen to lay down power and knowledge. I'm not sure that I'm there anymore. And the way I used to communicate this was that God, the Old Testament is God learning how to be yeah, God. You have said this before, yeah. And That's heresy. Well, I, it's not heresy if you go off Nicaea. Nobody's talking about God, God's knowledge at Nicaea. Okay, fair. So what I'm trying to communicate in that is the major differences you see between God at various parts of the Old Testament uh, and the way they conduct themselves and the way it's recorded in the scriptures between the Old Testament periods as well as drastically between the Old Testament and the New Testament. So I used to say that God was learning how to be God. I'm not sure I'm there anymore because I do think that God has an adversary that they do not know what is what their next move is. And so I think that when it comes to us and and we'll talk more about I was going to say you're getting into the human. We'll talk yeah. more about this, but I think there's an a, an element of open theism that I love, which is basically just to say that I think God knows every possible option of every decision that every human could make. But God does not know what decisions they are going to choose at any given moment. And that allows total free will and total tempting and yet total response by God. And so to your omnipotence question, I personally believe that God has chosen to lay down their power 
to prioritize presence in suffering alongside humans as evidenced in Jesus. Um, so you do believe that that is a power that has been laid down, laid down that God has chosen had it originally had it originally chose to lay it down in an attempt to learn how to be God, learn the adversary so the- strategize the chess game at which point, I do believe that Revelation uh, gives me confidence that God at some point will pick up ultimate power again when they've figured all of this out to the best of their ability to win the game. God will pick up all of their power and make a who, move. Who created the chess game? Where did it come from? I think it just happened. Happened? I don't know. There may be more. Somebody had to like this. What's the um, like the unmoved mover? Like the the um, like the first the cause of first movement or whatever. There's like a like a philosophical thing for this. Anyways, like if it's a chess game, like I hear you, I hear that perspective. Okay, that there is um, this cosmic game that's being played with all of creation, which seems a little effed up to begin with, because that implies that a game is being played with our lives. Stop. Have you ever been a kid, messed around in ant beds? Of course. Have you ever had the power over life and turned it into a game? So God is just a one big six-year-old child? Nope. Nope. I'm saying that we are each a distorted version of divinity. And we are made in the image and likeness of divinity. And so it makes sense that when you have that opportunity, you would try to mirror God in that way, but you do it only for destruction. Your only intent there is to harm. Whereas God's only intent is to heal, restore, goodness, righteousness. But my point is, before God chooses to be about only those things, something caused, something is the source of <laughs> the bad stuff that needs, that requires God to be fully present, always present, and always loving, and always healing, and always restoring. Well, we'll never get that question until uh, we can real, or we'll never get that answer. Don't you dare! Listen, we'll never get that question about the next layer of all of this until we can really get answers to the first layer we're trying to penetrate. Cop out. It's not really a cop out. It's Look, just the truth of the matter. Think about investigating anything. Let me ask you. You can't this. get to the next level until you penetrate the first. Let me ask you this: If God is all loving and then chose to be less than all powerful that and while knowing that there's an adversary coming to harm his creation do evil things that feels unloving well but I might also remind you that God with ultimate power in the Old Testament did some things that also felt unloved. Excellent. Who, what God told 
his people to go genocide some other people. Who's responsible there? An all-powerful God. But you said he wasn't all-powerful. At some point, they chose to give up power, in my view. I really, I think all of it happened in Jesus. Oh, so Jesus is, oh. I think all power, in the way that God gave it up, I think God gave it all up. The amount that they gave up, I think they gave it up at Jesus. And the, the precursor of that was... God looked back at thousands of years and said, this is not right. So this is not solving the problem. So that God, that good, loving, benevolent, now choosing to be not powerful, not all knowing God decides to murder his child. No, they decide to murder themselves. Come on. Sacrifice themselves. That's the Trinitarian concept, bro. That's the whole point. They decided. They decide to, to sacrifice themselves. Why was sacrifice necessary? They created the chess game. Well, They're the source of the chess game. They did not they require create. sacrifice. Well, no. It requires conquering death, of which sometimes the only way to do that is for you, the ultimate character is god the author of life and death no god's the author of life and death just is death who's the author of death ground of death what is that god's adversary the the equal the the, 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 uh, origin of evil okay the anti-god yeah the adversary the the one opposite god how powerful is this ground of death well, not powerful enough that the first thing the Christian story told us about it is that God manipulated it and called it the deep dark. Is this and God controlled it? Is this adversary all knowing? No. Is this adversary all powerful? No, clearly not. It's trying to offer Jesus a power that Jesus already has. Who created this all? No, I think they're both pre-existent. I don't have a problem Aliens. with them both. I, I also, once again, you're never going to get answers <laughs> to the next layer until you get to the first. But that it. Okay, okay, okay. Let's go back, you Marcion. So the God I'm of the, a the God of the Old Testament, the God of the Old Testament. It's the same God. Okay, okay. <laughs> so God in the Old Testament, yeah, was just really mean or really dumb i think that god was really emotional and really powerful and that's why in the exodus story if there was ever a moment where god and moses were both mad at the israelites at the same time they would have killed them both but at least twice that I can remember in that story. Moses talks God out of killing all of them because I think that God was real emotional and real powerful, and that God realized that was dangerous. Hmm. And so out of the two that they could give up, they chose to give up power, not emotion. Mm-mm-mm. So what does God do now? 
uh, 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 be present. And what? So like prayer doesn't matter. No, prayer certainly matters because I told you God laid down some power. God didn't lay down all power. Oh, but he laid down the powers that can't get the kids rescued in Aleppo right now. He doesn't have that power. He certainly doesn't. He doesn't have the power to actually heal people physically, that is. He doesn't have the power to like. Oh, why not? The New Testament certainly thought that they did. Okay. He doesn't have the power. Like people I, in second and third world countries even today report that God does. Okay. I, there's a homeless encampment. And when I say encampment, it's like 150 mm-hmm. tents mm-hmm. Uh, right across the street from my office. Mm-hmm. And uh, why doesn't God house those people? Why do they live un- literally on a freeway? Well, I think. Part of it is humans have free will. And I think part of that means at the most base level, the homeless person in the tent. But I also think that means at the most macro level, the people of power that are making decisions that force those people to be in those tents. Most definitely. And God has no idea what any human is going to choose and the only thing they have is goodness and presence. And how, so they do that at every level. How, and trying to use their power the best ways that they see fit. How is that more beneficial, more good for humanity than God being all-powerful and all-knowing and stopping the bad stuff? That seems like it would be a better outcome for humanity. That seems more... Uh, redemptive and loving than choosing to be powerless or, 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 or lacking in power and knowledge and having these terrible things happen constantly. That doesn't seem to benefit humanity very much. And that's why the end of the story gives you the ending you want. But there's a but, time. But I don't buy it. Why? Because there is no evidence of it. Oh, it's because you don't believe Jesus. Right. Yeah, that's why. Or I don't believe... Um, you don't believe they resurrected. I think... I don't think that there is an afterlife. After, after, because I don't think you don't think Jesus was resurrected. Mm, yeah, I don't think Jesus was resurrected. That's true. Name it. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't... I, in my head, though, those two things aren't 100% correlated. Oh, absolutely they are. I it's mean, the evidence you're looking for of the afterlife because he ascends. He never dies again. It is literally the proof that all of the eyewitnesses of the New Testament are proclaiming and dying for it that you're saying you don't believe. That so, is literally your hang-up about <laughs> all of it. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> because you use the word proof rather flippantly. I I. I don't. I mean, it just really matters to me that hundreds of thousands of people lost their lives for that truth. Very close to that. Yeah, truth. I get that, that. There are written testimonies of him appearing to more than 500 people at one time post resurrection. Yeah. That really matters to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. I think there's plausible explanations for all those things. Oh, sure. We could explain anything away. <laughs> Man, you got so into preacher mode. Well, no, it's not. Well, I didn't mean to be in preacher mode. <laughs> it's just. <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. You you are convinced. You are convinced. I, I, I am still. 
I am still having a hard time reconstructing a theological framework for a God who is eternally, eternally, sorry, is eternally existent, but without uh, all power, all knowledge, without the omnis. And like, and how that, I just have no grid for that, well, which is why I'm struggling with it. Let's think. I about, think that's a compelling idea. Let's think about military strategy. Okay. Cause if, if you accept my premises, which it seems like you're on board with, except the one I'm trying to convince you of. So I accept nothing. <laughs> go ahead and accept my premises. Um, if you accept all those premises, then we're in the middle of a, a war of which we are servants of goodness. But stop. Let me finish my thought. You okay, can, okay, okay, and okay. And you okay, can okay, rebut. Okay, okay, okay. As we are these servants of goodness, we are in the midst of a war. And so think about combat strategies. That is what the apocalypse is. That okay. is what revelation is. It's the revealing of the end, of which I really believe that John the Elder thought was gonna be, you know, within the lifetime of the next yeah, generation. Any minute. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah was imminent maybe yeah. is the most yeah. pertinent way to say that. Uh, and that's why they wrote letters to seven very real churches. Yep. Uh, or he wrote letters to seven very real churches, which contained this vision of the end. Uh, and it's very apocalyptic. It's very clearly written to the ancient world. It, and it's very clearly yeah. written to territory, a specific territory in the ancient world. Um, I think all of that clearly communicates that it's a war. Yeah. I think the apocalyptic texts in Daniel clearly communicate that it's a war. And so sometimes in war strategy, it's good to take a step back in your offense to play defense and gather intel. Oof, okay. Yeah, I hear you. To have an entire First Testament. It was important to let the balloon go all the way across so that we could learn what it was doing, make sure it got out of harm's way. Then we shoot the balloon down. Right. And so we got to study its pattern. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Sometimes it is totally <laughs> a, a good thing to take a step back and play, play defense. defense and gather Intel defense wins championships, baby. And when you have an entire first Testament okay. of God with ultimate power, Offense. And using that power to do what we would call Bad. very heinous and immoral things. Bad God. To a point where they take 400 years of silence in the written canonical text. Mm. And then come out with Jesus. And the end of the story is, I'm going to figure this out. And I'm going to win. But I need a minute here. So we live in a Marvel movie. <laughs> Possibly. I, you, that may be a really good metaphor. <laughs> I don't know Marvel well enough, but that may be a really good metaphor. I mean, it's a compelling... In that... in Okay, look. in Like, this new idea that... Uh, I, I hear you. I think it's... I think you got a system there. But uh, they're kind of like aliens. They're kind of like these otherworldly intellectual beings... That have omnipresence. Well, I guess, wait, does the adversary, is the adversary omnipresent? Well, is death everywhere? Oh, jeez. Yeah. Wow. Okay. 
I mean, I'm really, I'm trying to communicate to you that they're pretty equal. Uh-huh. But the hope, the truth, uh-huh. is that God will prevail and was shown in the beginning that God manipulated water, that God showed power over the serpent, that God showed power over death in Jesus, and that God will win in the end. But we're currently in a waiting game. God is trying to figure some stuff out before they pick up power again and return to end it all. So do we participate? Oh, certainly. Certainly, because you connected suffering. Mm-hmm. Yes, our goodness participates the, the in good suffering. The good that we do. The, oh, certainly. The good that we do. So this is a good this is an argument for morality. Moral well, Yeah, morality, yes. Moralism, no. Okay. What I mean, yeah, okay. What I mean is um 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 like our role to play is to Go goodness dig, go go dig kids out of rubble in aleppo i think that's part of it i also think it's don't rape anybody yeah yeah, yeah. Well, don't murder saying. anybody that's what i'm saying ethics ethics it's, <clears throat> it's to do the things you should do and to not do the things you shouldn't do yeah so we do live in star wars and i don't know I've never seen and we're that. jedis and we're jedis i don't know i've never seen that <sighs> unacceptable the, the dark side and the light side. Yeah, I do. I do and, believe that. And there are agents of both. Yep. But the Jedi are on the, the, the light side because mm-hmm. okay. they, they, they're more tapped into the to the force. <coughs> okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. We live in, exactly that. We live in Star Wars. It's a hero's journey, y'all. I told you it's one of seven <laughs> basics. It's one of seven basic plot lines. Okay. It, yeah. Okay. It, this isn't, it doesn't have to be as difficult as we make it. It's just that everybody comes with these certain presuppositions about God, which definitely nobody really. Presuppositions only work if you want them to or not. Sure. Yeah. And so if you don't. If they don't work anymore, the answer is not necessarily just be like, oh, the presuppositions don't work. You just need new ones. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. Cosmic chess game. I I, I think that's one way to look at it. Now, there are going to be people listening to this, they're going, absolutely not. You both are effing dumb. Hey, cheers. Uh, But for people that... A hate watch. Yeah, y'all can y'all can hate watch. Hey, Comment below. Hey, cuss us out. Pop that dislike. I'll take it. I'll take it. Pop it. Pop uh, it. If you're in Houston, I'll buy you a beer and we can have a conversation. Yes. <clears throat> Unless you try to evangelize me specifically, and then I I'm not I'm not messing with you. Oh, you could try to evangelize me. I might I might correct you. <laughs> you could try. Uh, yeah, I just think that the God part of this is the problem we're all trying to deal with. Yeah, like, be, it is. Because how you define God determines how you view God's participation in real, tangible, day-to-day experiences, yeah. which is which are fraught with bad stuff. Yeah. So it's it's critically important. 
critically important. And so I think we're going to have a couple of more, at least one more conversation about God in this. I do want to talk more, at least one more episode about the open theism element sure. um, of God and, and what that looks like, maybe in totality or, 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 or more fleshed out from the God side. And then I do want to have one conversation just of like us having a conversation of imagining what it might be like if God happened upon matter, hmm. which we call the deep dark, and out of them said, I'm a being of light, I'm a being of life, I'm a being of existence, and so we're going to do something out of this, and caused creation to happen, and then ground of being sat on the outside of it and watched the story unfold and had to interact. Sounds like a good screenplay for a Marvel film. That's right. Hey, shout me. I'll write it for you. John Favreau, holla. Thanks for listening to the Pints and Perspectives podcast hosted by Wellhouse Church. Be sure to give us a rating and a review if you enjoyed the episode. It's free and it helps us immensely. Also, feel free to check out our other podcasts.